to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces, where we take a deeper look at the issues and people shaping our community and our country. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here as always with my glorious co-host, Jeff Simmons. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Celeste. And because it's Women's History Month, I celebrate you today. Not just today, but every day, Jeff. Thank you for that. And we are going to be talking about that a little bit later in the hour. But on today's program, we're going to get right to it today because this is really important. We're going to be talking about COVID and there is no shortage of news related to the pandemic. Sick of it, literally and figuratively, as we may all be. And the question this hour is going to be, does COVID ever really leave us And if it doesn't, what do we do about it? COVID certainly remains in the news. Just this week, we saw the State Public Employee Relations Board ruled that New York court workers have to get rehired with back pay plus interest if they were fired for refusing to get vaccinated for COVID-19. Now, it's not clear yet just how much this will affect other workers who refuse to get vaccinated, although the mayor's office has suggested in press reports that it would not really affect city employees who declined the COVID vaccine in the same way as it affects these court employees. With more than 96% of city workers vaccinated, the Adams administration ended the the mandate for city workers last month. So there's a lot of uh, open questions about that. But what's on your mind about COVID, Jeff? Yeah, and you're bringing up a good topic because think about it, all the union contracts that the administration is going to be working on right now, uh, that remote work, that remote work option is going to be something uh, that really factors heavily into these discussions. But really, Celeste, what's been interesting to me lately has been the realization about how many people in my life have opened up about how COVID still affects them, that they might have had it once or twice early on, but that they have lingering effects and ongoing health challenges. And I think you might have seen this as well. Our listeners might have heard about it. There's been a few studies that have come out recently that have talked about the impact of long COVID. I mean, in the year following infection, according to one of these studies, people who experienced long COVID were at high risk for a range of adverse health outcomes. That was according to the Journal of American Medical, the Medical, American Medical Association. And what they discovered was that long COVID, a long COVID group experienced increased mortality with close to 3% of individuals with long COVID dying compared to 1.2% of those without long COVID. And in this other study that the New York Times picked up, Celeste, by Nature Communications, they compared the medical records of about 154,000 COVID patients who'd been in the Veterans Health Administration system with about 5.6 million patients of about the same age who had not contracted COVID. And that study, like others drawing on a database of veterans, involved a patient population that's largely white and male with an average age of about 61. And what they found were that COVID patients were 36% more likely to have long-term gastrointestinal problems that they didn't have before their infection, Celeste. And about just under, what, 10,000 of them experienced issues that affected their digestive system, intestines, pancreas, pancreas and liver, Celeste. 
Exactly. So, you know, so far, according to some of the latest data we have available, there have been more than 80,000 COVID-19 related deaths in New York State since tracking began, since this pandemic began, with about 45,000 of those deaths in New York City. Now, the overall figures for how many people have been affected by COVID are much, much bigger. There have been something like 6.9 million cases of COVID-19 reported in New York State, more than 3. 2 million of those cases were reported in New York City. So today we're going to be talking about the long-term effects of COVID on people who have had it and are moving on with their lives or are trying to. That brings us right to our first guest today. Dr. Jonathan Whiteson is Medical Director of Cardiac and Pulmonary Rehabilitation at Rusk Rehabilitation, NYU Langone Health, and he's also the co-director of the Post-COVID Care Program. He's a specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation. Dr. Whiteson did his undergraduate and medical school studies at the University of London, and you may have heard him on Sirius XM's Doctor Radio. Today, he's here to help us understand what's going on at this stage in the pandemic, and in just a few minutes, he's actually open to taking your calls as well. But we're just going to get the conversation with him started right now. Dr. Jonathan Whiteson, welcome to WBAI. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, we appreciate having you here. We have lots of questions for you. We're hoping you could maybe just start out by setting the stage for us. Tell us a little bit about what you do as co-director of Langone's post-COVID care program. Well, our post-COVID care program treats people who have long COVID. And uh, as you've been discussing, there's many people, uh, both in New York City, but certainly in New York State, who have long COVID. So people who have either persistent symptoms following their acute illness or who go through a period of recovery and then have recurrent symptoms or new symptoms or those who have exacerbation of pre-existing conditions and those conditions stay worse, they come to see us with those complaints. And uh, we are a multi-specialty program, so I'm a physiatrist, a rehabilitation doctor. My focus is in heart and lung rehabilitation, but lots of people who have COVID and have long COVID have heart and lung kind of complaints. But we have pulmonologists, cardiologists, psychiatrists, neurologists, uh, uh, gastroenterologists, dermatologists, you name it. We have a whole group of uh, clinicians who are involved in the evaluation and management of individuals with persistent symptoms related to long COVID. And through our specialty perspectives, we evaluate them and we try and understand what's going on and we treat them. Um, and we try and help them get better, get back to their lives. Dr. Whiteson, it's great to have you on uh, today. You know, what I'm interested in is finding out, uh, first, how long must symptoms linger for this to be considered, I guess, a, a, a post-COVID-19, like long, uh, long-term COVID condition? And what are the most common issues you're seeing with people who've contracted COVID? Yeah, that's a great question. And the, the CDC uh, have come up with a four-week timeline, which may be, not that I'm one to criticize the CDC, trust me, but it, it may be a little early. But uh, the CDC says that if you're still having symptoms or have new symptoms after that four-week period, then you have what they call post-COVID condition, PCC. Uh, I'm a physiatrist. I work, um, our specialty um, uh, organization is the American Academy of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. 
And uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, we established a uh, long COVID uh, collaborative that is made up of physiatrists, but neurologists and pulmonologists and cardiologists, again, the multidisciplinary team. And we felt very strongly that uh, not before three months, so symptoms either have to be persistent through that period of time into the three-month period or start after the three-month period. But that appears to be, from our perspective, a more practical cutoff time. So anything that's going on beforehand, uh, we you know, sometimes see the symptoms resolving completely. But if it's persisting after three months, it has a tendency to last longer. So our perspective is three months and longer. And the common symptoms, um, and again, we know COVID can affect every single organ system, uh, but the most common symptoms we're seeing are fatigue, chest pain, breathing difficulties, difficulties with concentration and focus, a term that's been coined is brain fog, but it really implies a cognitive difficulty. Uh, we see gastrointestinal upset, uh, changes in uh, skin, uh, rashes, and changes in, in skin temperature, uh, dizziness, uh, a whole host of symptoms. In fact, you know, if you gave me a few hours, I could probably go through all of them, but over 200 symptoms have been associated with long COVID and many different combinations of such. And Dr. Whiteson, uh, I want to talk more about the symptoms, and we're actually uh, really appreciate the fact that you are willing to have people call in. And we're just going to give the number right now, 212-209-2877 is the number to call, 212-209-2877. We're speaking to Dr. Jonathan Whiteson, who's co-director of the Post-COVID Care Program at NYU Langone Health, 212-209-2877. And Dr. Whiteson, um, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the program in the past, and people talk about it among themselves. People are, in New York and elsewhere are just sort of really overthinking about COVID, really over wearing masks, social distancing. People figure, uh, you know, I don't know if I need to get vaccinated anymore. Is it that big of a deal? Maybe it's just a cold. Even if I get COVID, now there are treatments. You know, can you talk about whether you're concerned at all that people are not sort of looking at the big picture or taking the long view, sorry for the pun, when it comes to COVID? Yeah, um, pun well taken, but it is a, a long view. And I think we have to understand that COVID is here. Uh, firstly, there's always been COVID viruses around, but this specific one, COVID-19, is here and it's here to stay. It's part of uh, uh, what is going to affect us and infect us for years, decades, lifetimes to come, just like the flu virus. Uh, it's interesting, we remember the flu uh, pandemic of 1918 and uh, millions of people died. Uh, and yet, uh, if we think about five years ago, people thought of the flu as, oh, it's a, it's a winter virus, it comes and it goes and I carry on. But in the United States, anywhere between 20, 30, 60 to 80,000 people die every year from the flu. Uh, and yet we weren't walking around wearing face masks. And, uh, you know, some people got their vaccine and some people didn't. Um, and, uh, you know, truth is that we do need to pay attention to the flu and we need to pay attention to the COVID virus as well. It's here to stay. Uh, it's clear that those people who are vaccinated and boosted with the current uh, bivalent booster against COVID-19 are the most protected. And when we look at population studies, they're the most protected about against uh, severe acute infection and long COVID. Uh, the vaccine does help prevent against long COVID symptoms. 
So we do recommend people continue to get their vaccine. Uh, if you've not had the bivalent vaccine, which came out in September of 2022, you should be getting that. Uh, the CDC has not given guidelines as to when the next booster will be, but most likely it will be in the fall in combination with the flu shot. Uh, but we do encourage people to get their vaccine, get their booster, and to still be cautious. And to remember, it's not just about you, but it is about the people in your family, the people in your community, the people who you may congregate with in indoor spaces. And don't forget, sometimes those people who are vulnerable, you can't see it. Uh, sometimes medical issues and disabilities are not visible to the naked eye. And so we must take care of our most vulnerable. It's not just about me because I'm strong and I'm fine. It doesn't matter if I get the covid but what about your neighbor who may have an underlying medical condition who's much more vulnerable than you? So we can't just think of ourselves. And it is that sense of community that drives many people to continue to wear face masks in indoor spaces. And one has to respect that. Um, so continue to think beyond just yourself. If you just tuned in, this is Driving Forces on WBAI, New York 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Jeff Simmons here with Celeste Katz-Marston, and we're talking with Dr. Jonathan Whiteson, co-director of the Post-COVID Care Program at NYU Langone Health. And the doctor is taking your phone calls. Please give us a call at 212-209-2877. Again, that number is 212 212- Two zero nine two eight seven seven, doctor. I just have you know a question that's just been on my mind because the people that have opened up to me about having long COVID, they eventually recognized that what they were experiencing that they might have thought was just a common flu, just lingering conditions. They did not initially suspect it was COVID. Do you think that there are a number of people out there who are suffering from long COVID but have not been diagnosed yet? They think it might be something else. So it's certainly possible, and we've got to realize that whilst it's most common to get long COVID if you have not been vaccinated and have a more severe acute COVID course, we see plenty of people who had minimal or no COVID symptoms, and yet months later present with long COVID symptoms, and we test them when we find that they were infected. Uh, and so many people may be walking around with symptoms. It could be fatigue. It could be chest discomfort difficulty focusing and concentrating, they may think, well, this is just some stressful period of my life or I haven't been sleeping well. But really, they have long COVID. So yes, I, I, I am sure there are people who are walking around, somewhat struggling, trying to get on with their lives, having a difficult time, did not realize they had acute COVID, and yet they're suffering from long COVID. For sure, that's a possibility. 212-209-2877 is the number to call, 212-209-2877. And Dr. Whiteson, I'm curious, is there any difference in the severity uh, or the duration of long COVID depending on what you do when you are first infected? Like if you take one of the therapeutics or if you uh, you know, take special care of yourself in some other way when you actually get sick, if you know you have COVID, does that have an effect on what may happen to you down the road? So it's a great question. I'm not sure there's been any data to support one uh, response or another to that. My experience is know uh, that, you know, I'm not saying that, that uh, people shouldn't take care of themselves when they're sick, but I have not seen uh, in my practice a difference between somebody who uh, took one of the antivirals like Paxlovid and rested during their acute COVID infection and their likelihood of getting 
uh, long COVID as opposed to somebody who, you know, carried on their normal life, didn't, uh, didn't take their chicken soup, et cetera. Um, and, and th- th- I don't see any correlation between how you're managed in the acute stage uh, and the incidence of long COVID. Although I will say that the more severe the acute infection is, the more likely there is for acute COVID, for long COVID. Uh, and uh, those people who are unvaccinated, the greater the likelihood of long COVID. And those people with other underlying health conditions, including things like high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, underlying heart and lung conditions. Uh, there's also studies that show as well those people who uh, uh, have health care disparities or inequities, socioeconomically uh, disadvantaged, those individuals also have a high incidence of long COVID. So it is uh, partly related to the medical condition, partly related to environment, access to healthcare, etc. And, and that's something else definitely worth pointing out that there has been tremendous healthcare disparities and inequities uh, that the COVID pandemic has truly uh, brought to the fore in terms of acute COVID and in long COVID. Thank you, Doctor. We're going to get to one of the callers. Uh, Reggie, if you'll just patch the call through. We've got a caller on the line here on WBAI's Driving Forces. Welcome to the show. You're on the air. What's your name and what's your question for Dr. Whiteson? Okay. My name is Roberta, and I have a question about the vaccines. I wanted to get a second booster, but I was very uh, frightened by my reaction to both the vaccine, the initial vaccine and the booster. I was unable to function for several months. So I wanted to get a non-mRNA vaccine. And I can't. And why not? Or where? Or something? Yeah, Roberta, that's a a great question. And I'm going to be general rather than specific just about you. But this question does come up a lot in terms of uh, people who have had reactions to the vaccine and don't feel well with it, uh, it, that can go from a sore arm that lasts a few days to, as you're describing, more significant symptoms that last months. Uh, one thing that we have experienced is that uh, individuals have different reactions to each individual shot. Um, some people have had five uh, mRNA shots so far, the Moderna or the Pfizer, and each time uh, some people describe different reactions, sometimes nothing, sometimes they're, they're, they're laid low for a, a week or two with uh, aches and pains and, and uh, other generalized symptoms. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the CDC uh, have decided which uh, of the vaccines are most effective and the mRNA ones appear to be uh, the ones that are most effective and the ones that are available in the United States. So we don't have too much of a choice there at this time. Uh, there are other vaccines that are being trialed that are not mRNA, uh, but I don't believe they are um, uh, available wide, uh, widespread at this time. Uh, I do feel, uh, Roberta, that you should talk with your primary care doctor uh, about, um, you know, whether you should or should not have. primary care doctor said, tisk, tisk. <laughs> said what, sorry? Oh, gave, uh, gave a tut. Uh, Well, uh, you know, again, when we look at the population, the safest for you is to be vaccinated. Again, not that we want you to suffer. Wait, you don't understand. I was out of commission for months with neurological problems. 
I am okay, not Roberta. So, so just to just, so. I'm sorry to break in here, but we only have uh, Dr. White's, and for one more moment, want to thank you for your call. And again, this is sort of a general discussion about uh, Dr. White's. And if you want to finish your thought about um, about any concerns that people might have about their reaction to the vaccine. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's worthwhile. I certainly understand Roberta's concerns and uh, the significance of her reactions. But if you have concerns, do talk about this with your primary care doctor uh, and try to get some consensus and recognize that overall, as we look at the population, those people who are vaccinated are in a safer place than those people who are not vaccinated when it comes to acute and significant COVID and long COVID. And Dr. Weitzen, before we let you go, uh, any any last thoughts, any advice for people who are experiencing long COVID or think they might be are, are feeling unwell in some sort of way, but can't really uh, attribute it to anything specific? What what would you advise them to do? Well, I think what I would advise you to do is, number one, talk with your uh, primary care physician, as well as long COVID. It could be a multitude of other health care conditions, and it's absolutely worth getting yourself checked out but also to recognize that there are long COVID clinics, and certainly here in New York City, there are several. And here at NYU Langone Health, uh, we have a long COVID uh, program, and you can Google it, or there's an access phone number, which if you don't mind, I'll give up out. It is uh, 212-263-6115. That's access to the long COVID clinic. And as I said, a multitude of specialists who practice within that clinic can evaluate you and take care of you. But there is specialist help for long COVID. If you feel you have it, go seek out that specialist help. Dr. Jonathan Whiteson is the co-director of the Post-COVID Care Program at NYU Langone Health. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us here today on, on Driving Forces. We really appreciate it. Jeff and Celeste, thank you so much. Have a good evening. You're listening to Driving Forces on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming via WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. And a very quick reminder as we take on these important issues today, if you care about New York, if it means something to you to have a radio station that talks about how to make life in this city better, uh, shares information, gives you a voice, please take a moment today. Go to WBAI.org and lend your support. This is non-commercial, listener-supported WBAI, and we need your help. This station does not exist without you. Plain and simple, WBAI will go silent, will go off the air without the support of everyone who listens. Most of us here at the station are volunteers. We work very hard to bring you the best programming we can. We do this for New York and for our fellow New Yorkers, but we cannot do it without you. It only takes a minute to support free speech independent radio that you cannot get anywhere else. Big business does not power WBAI. You do. We are counting on you. Go to WBAI.org today and stand up for free speech radio. That's WBAI.org. You know, and Celeste, we participated in a producer's meeting, and I want our listeners to know a little about this. We had, were in a producer's meeting. Everyone from the BAI family was on the call the other night, and they explained to us the importance of, you know, of having our dedicated listeners, uh, you know, connect with us, which is why we're trying to make sure, even though we can't get in all the calls each time, we want to make sure our listeners have that opportunity. That's also a value of this station, that we want to hear your voices not just on this show, but most of the shows do that. They provide that opportunity. I mean, it's just something that we have to think about. So here's what we're asking you to do. Please 
just during the show. Become a BAI buddy in the name of this show, Driving Forces. That would help us a lot. That is a recurring donation that you give goes right in your credit card. I just double checked mine the other day to make sure I was still a BAI buddy because for some reason I didn't see it on my card. But yes, you can give any amount. Most people give 15 or $20 a month and you can go to WBAI.org and make a pledge, an individual pledge if you want, or hopefully you can become a BAI buddy. It just takes a few moments. Now, if you decide you want to just make a one-time pledge, we're hoping you can give we want to raise $200 per show. That's our goal. And if you can give $50 or a little more and you go online and you look up on our WBAI website under premiums, you'll see that there's a book that we got where we interviewed the authors a few weeks ago called Rikers and Oral History. We've talked about this a number of times on this show because the authors are two reputable journalists here in New York City, Graham Raymond and Ruvane Blau. We had them here on the program and they talked about all of the interviews they did in this book, it's an amazing, gripping book. And if you care about criminal justice, it's the type of book you want to read for only $50 or more. If you donate to us, you can get that book. And Celeste and I are just hoping you'll just take a few moments during the show or after the show, before you go to sleep, just go online to WBAI.org and make a contribution to us. And if you just tuned in, by the way, this is Driving Forces with me, Jeff Simmons, and Celeste Katz-Marston. This hour, we are talking about COVID and the terrible toil that it continues to take on regular New Yorkers. When the pandemic first really hit us in early 2020, New York was my neighborhood, actually, was the epicenter. I'm in Jackson Heights, Elmhurst. We remember, and we're sure you remember, images of the refrigerator trucks parked outside of hospitals overflowing emergency rooms. I still hear all the sirens often uh, because I live so close to Elmhurst Hospital. There were desolate streets. The real terror that gripped the city as thousands of people started getting sick and very, very sick. And at that time, WBAI started reporting on the pandemic, including through an interview series hosted by, well, a woman I know very well, Celeste Katz-Marston. It's called New York in Crisis, WBAI's Coronavirus Diary. And this 16-episode series gave voice to a wide array of New Yorkers as they dealt with this public health emergency, the doctors and nurses business owners, journalists, public officials, students, and regular New Yorkers who got sick. Now, the third episode of that series featured Joelle Settlemeyer. She's a New Yorker who got ill in the earliest days of the pandemic when COVID-19 testing was really not widely available, and yet hospitals were encouraging people not to go to emergency rooms unless they were in very desperate shape. Now, Joelle is a longtime New Yorker who now lives in the Hudson Valley with her wife, their two dogs, and their bird. She works as a business analyst in the tech world, and in her free time, she plays tennis and likes to DJ. She has had COVID at least four times and is still dealing with the lingering symptoms. And in the Coronavirus Diary series, Joelle's episode really captured the fear that was sweeping New York. And when she and many others first started getting sick and so many questions remained unanswered, here is just a bit of what she had to say. So you're just trying to stay calm, but you're turning on the TV and the news is like the death count going up the amount of emergency beds that are not available, not enough ventilators. So you you kind of like can't help but panic and think like, oh, my God, what do I do? What if I need a ventilator? Where am I going to go? 
And now Joelle is back with us for an update. Joelle Settlemeyer, thank you so much for joining us here on Driving Forces on WBAI. Hello. How are you? Hi. How are you? That is the question. How are you doing? Well, it's been a tough three years, um, you know, dealing with the world in general, because as we know, it's changed a lot. Um, I like to compare it to 9-11 in such a way that, you know, the virus has changed the world and how we live and changed our priorities. And I thought waiting in the line for the TSA (laughs) at the airport after 9-11, everybody was just like, but now, I mean, the world is just a different place with this pandemic, or should I say endemic? I, I don't even know what they're calling it now. So, Joelle, thanks so much for coming back here on WBAI, and I really appreciated the chance to talk to you at that time. And I I wanted to, you know, share just that little clip of our our conversation from three years ago, because, you know, you and I were really speaking at a time when we didn't know. There was so much we didn't know about the virus and what it would do to the city and what it would do to individual people. And, you know, I I was hoping you might be able to just share a little bit about, you know, at that time, uh, when you first got sick, you weren't even able to find out if you had COVID. You couldn't even get a test. And what has happened with you since then? I mean, that is correct. Um, I had no way of knowing. I was very sick, very scary. And after, I, I like to call this like the, the ground zero COVID because it was March 2020. And, you know, I got better. It was a long lingering, very strange symptoms. It was kind of like trying to find your way with not much information. And, you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe we have immunity to this and that's it. We survive. Um, not knowing that now we're just going to keep getting it over and over again. At least that is how my experience has been. Um, and, <laughs> I mean, you're getting some answers now, and we have the vaccine, which is great. But, you know, it's I was disappointed that I got the vaccine and then I still got sick again, and it was bad. And I've ended up in the hospital from a variant and um, it's now like trying to live your life, but also knowing like, Hey, I could get sick again. And then like, what's going to happen? Are these variants going to get worse? Are they going to get not worse? Uh, So it's kind of like something that I'm constantly dealing with, um, especially after having it so many times and each variant, um, pretty much kicks my butt. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's it's insane what happens to me and my wife when we get sick and we don't know why. And, you know, it's constant struggle. Um, so after 2020, we got another variant, and that was exactly in March 2021. So it was exactly a year. And before we got that second variant, we got better, like, I started to be able to work out. Things started to feel really, you know, okay. Um, I was still having some lung capacity issues, but I was, like, really working on it. And I was, like, you know, striving. I was, like, okay, you know, I think we're going to be okay. I think these are just lingering symptoms. And then I got this next variant, um, which was pretty bad for me. I mean, I ended up in the emergency room. Um, the only difference I will say with this is that I could go to the hospital with this variant, 
And when I got there, they knew what to do. Um, but it was scary. I mean, I went into the emergency room. You had to pass other rooms, and I was in a wheelchair. And when I passed the other rooms, you just see people on their sides, struggling to breathe, all, like, waiting for doctors. And I was, you know, it was just crazy. So I can only imagine that in 2020 when somebody went to the emergency room of what they saw was probably, like, ten times more freakier. And they just, like, you know, what is going to happen? And while I was there, um, you know, COVID was affecting children for this variant. And I think it may have been the UK variant, but of course, like nobody tests on variants. So I do not know, but that's what was kind of in the news at that time. And so there were children in the ER room that were crying the entire time. And it was just surreal. And um, the doctors knew what to do, though. They were like, we know what to do. We can help you. We're seeing this all day. And I was just, you know, thankful that I was going at a time when they know what to do, they know how to treat me, and everyone that is there with me is also going to get treated. But, I mean, I didn't expect to get a variant and end up in the hospital. It just didn't, you know, didn't click with me. I was like, well, I survived the 2020 version. I didn't expect the variants to be this bad. So that's kind of what I've been dealing with is each variant is tough and they have, they're all like similar in symptoms, but different. And it's also the lingering months after and different symptoms that are popping up months after. So it's been, it's been a long ride. I mean, it's not been a fun three years. You're listening to WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. And our guest right now is Joelle Suttlemeyer, who spoke to us for our 2020 special series, New York in Crisis, WBAI's Coronavirus Diary. And Joelle, just to, you know, give people more of a picture of this. First of all, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I am 40. I'm, I'm like trying to think. I'm like, what am I? I'm 47 years old. Okay. And before all of this started happening, this last three years of just getting sick over and over again, were you in reasonably good health? If, you know, were you, did you have any sort of, you know, is this the first time you have been this sick this long, essentially? Yes. Yes. I mean, the only times I've been in hospital is for sports injuries um, because I'm athletic and I play a lot of sports. And, um, you know, I was, Working uh, full-time, DJing, playing tennis, playing ice hockey. I was very, very active. And I would get maybe, you know, a head cold during, like, the winter season. And I would kick it out in, like, three days and be back at work and everything's cool. So, yeah, I was in pretty good health. health. So when you actually get sick, and I think that people would be interested in this, you know, just as listeners, maybe they will recognize some of what you're talking about in themselves. Like, how do you, what is it like for you that, that sort of day or that week when you're like, oh man, I think I'm getting sick again. I think I have COVID again. Like, how do you know? It starts for me with um, really bad body aches. 
And for some reason, every time I've gotten sick with COVID, it's my right leg that hurts. And it's the entire leg and it's like the bone just aches so, so bad. And I don't know why, but that will start to kick up. And I just get really, really like tired. And then that ache starts spreading all over my body. And that's as soon as that leg starts hurting, I just know I'm like, oh, no, not again. And it's it's like clockwork, like every time. It's weird. And it even happens when I get the vaccine, too. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to just jump in. You know, it's interesting because a few of the people that I've talked with, you know, I'm thinking of one in particular who is one of the sharpest people I know, and she's had COVID three times now. And has just talked with me about how she has what the doctor described, I mean, in layman's terms, brain fog, and how difficult it is, the difficulty she has with memory now. I'm, I'm curious, when you know this, when you feel that this is setting again, that you're going to be experiencing worse symptoms once again, how does this affect your daily life? Is it that you just are, you know, holed up in bed? Is it, you know, I'm, I really want our listeners to get a good portrait of how destructive long COVID is to people's lives. When, like when those body aches start and they take over, I'm down for the count. I mean, it's laying in bed and it affects my nerves. So it's really hard to use my hands when I have COVID. So I can't, you know, text on a phone. I don't know why, but it's like really weird. It affects like nervous system issues. So, I will lay in bed and my legs will twitch. My arms will twitch. Um, I get sweats really bad, but for, I never get a fever, but I get like flushing. It's like, I do, it's almost like a lot of people are like, are you sure you don't have menopause? But it happens when I'm sick and then it goes away eventually. But it's like, I just sweat all over and then I get the chills and then my skin starts burning. Um, and, scream in pain. I mean, the pain is like nothing I've ever felt. It's like if somebody was sticking needles into all my joints. I mean, and I've never experienced this even, like I've had the flu once in my life and I had like little body aches. This is just excruciating pain. And it lasts for, it lasts long enough where you think it's not going to end and you're just like, you just think you're going to die. You're just like, what is going on? And the brain fog for me starts after uh, like a month or two after um, it, it, it will start. Um, in fact, the last time I was sick, which was in December of 2022, um, now I have brain fog. <laughs> and it's hitting me really, really hard, like more hard than any of the other variants. And it doesn't seem to be going away and it's driving me crazy. So it affects, you know, everything because it's when I'm sick, I can't do the whole, you know, I'm just going to check my email for work. It's like, I can't, I can't do that. My vision gets blurry. Um, I'm uncoordinated when I'm sick, um, which is very, very strange. I've never experienced that with any illness. It's almost like, you know, somebody's poking needles in you, um, your vision is foggy, you're sweating all over the place, and you're having problems keeping your balance. I mean, it's just like, really? 
Like, how am I supposed to do anything? And then once you start feeling better, there's other symptoms that kick in, like upset stomachs, you're not able to digest food well, um, you're constantly, like, dehydrated, um, the brain fog, and then um, chronic fatigue. You're just exhausted. Um, the exhaustion is so bad, it feels like you ran a marathon and then you had to run another one and another one and another one, like every day, you just, your body just doesn't recuperate. Um, and then, you know, sometimes you get a sinus infection on top of that and all these other things that are just, you know, reactions to that virus or, you know, symptoms of that virus just like start coming up and it's just, you're constantly battling it. So, Joel, in, and I'm really glad that, that you're you know, here to talk about this because I think it's super important for people to hear it from somebody who's actually going through it. So in, in the, the minute or two that we have left um, today, I was just wondering if you had any thoughts for two kinds of people. Number one, people who don't think COVID is a problem anymore, either, uh, you know, they'll get it and it'll go away or they'll take some medicine. And then for people who are going through what you're going through. So maybe start with people who don't think COVID is a big deal and, you know, um, we don't have I to mean, worry about it anymore. Yeah. I mean, people who don't think it's a big deal. I mean, I just want them to realize that they're lucky if, you know, they don't catch these variants or if they do and it's just a head cold, like I wish I was that person, you know, like I really, really wish I was them. But I just want them to realize that there are people who are suffering from this, who are dealing with chronic issues from it. And, you know, just to respect that, that's it. Like, respect that. If anything, support them, um, support the science, support the medical doctors that are trying to come up with answers and studies. And, you know, I'm hoping we figure this out. And then for the people who, you know, are suffering, um, we just got to keep hope alive. I feel like slowly we're getting more answers as they study this. And I think about it in the terms of, like, if you look at something like Parkinson's disease um, and Michael J. Fox and all the stuff he's brought to the table for, you know, studies and, you know, raising money and awareness around it. I'm just hoping that this happens with COVID as well. I'm hoping that they keep on it. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, answers start happening and, you know, we can resolve this somehow and maybe live with it easier or get rid of it. I, I mean, I don't know what the future is, but just hold on to hope. We're all going to get there someday. We're going we're gonna to work through this together. Joel Sotomayor, thank you so much, really for speaking to us for our initial series uh, on coronavirus and for coming back three years later to talk very candidly and very honestly about what you've been going through. It's a real pleasure and an honor to have you here on the program today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. 
You're listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York. We were fortunate just now to speak with Joelle Suttlemeyer. She was one of the guests on our original 2020 special series, New York in Crisis, WBAI's Coronavirus Diary. And WBAI is proud to feature the voices of many different women on our airwaves all year round, but especially during Women's History Month. And we need to remind you once more, we can only do this with your help. Please go to WBAI.org today. Support this station. Keep us on the air so we can continue to tell the story of more New Yorkers from all walks of life. Now, in observance of Women's History Month, WBAI has prepared a series of short salutes to great women throughout U.S. history. Let's take a listen to one of those right now. You're tuned to listener-sponsored WBAI New York with a moment in women's history. I certainly couldn't become a part of the Hollywood white uh, group. I was never allowed to act really with another white person in a scene. Uh, I was pinned to the pillar so I could be cut out of the scene if it went to places in the South where it couldn't be shown. Lena Horne, actress, singer, dancer, and civil rights activist, worked at the Cotton Club on Lenox Avenue in the 1930s. That was the place that was the showcase for Negro talent. And one had to have <laughs> some place to show one's creativity. Duke Ellington, Cab Calloway, the great Ethel Waters. Negro people finally who worked under a roof in a cabaret that was a little better than a basement downstairs somewhere and not a tent show in the South. But on the other hand, I was torn because it was a dreadful place uh, that uh, was bad working conditions, little money, no respect paid to its creative people, and our own people couldn't come and see us perform. One didn't say too much about it because one then would get all the men fired who were waiters there. <laughs> and one would get all the girls, girls fired who took care of their families by working there. Horn says the Cotton Club was a trap. She later performed at the March on Washington on behalf of the NAACP and SNCC. Her career was sidelined for a while by the Hollywood blacklist. She was trailed by the FBI for decades. A memo in Horn's FBI file in 1948 says she's sympathetic to the communist cause and is extremely race conscious. You can receive our extensive women's history audio collection with Lena Horn and some of her music and other trailblazers by becoming a WBAI buddy, a sustaining member for $15 or more a month. You'll also receive WBAI's fabulous tote bag. Please go to women.wbai.org. Again, that's women.wbai.org to become a WBAI buddy in the name of your favorite radio program or in the name of all WBAI radio shows, which many people have been doing. Call 212-209-2950. That's another way that you can become a WBAI buddy. 212-209-2950. And say, yes, I want to become a WBAI buddy on this Women's History Day. Thank you.
And that was our program director, Linda Perry, who was narrating that, talking about the great Lena Horn. And by the way, other voices you will hear on that flash drive, Margaret Mead, Peace Walker, Alice Walker, Molly Ivins, Betty Friedan, Maya Angelou, Amy Goodman, Bella Abzug, so many more. You definitely want to become a BAI buddy for Women's History Month and go to women.wbai.org to get that. And as Linda noted, the fabulous WBAI tote bag, which I carry mine around every Remember, WBAI can only bring you guests from the world of politics, public policy, culture, music, the arts, with your help. We need your support. We want to stay on the air. This is a dire situation because every month we have to pay a significant amount of money. That's a less than I have talked to you about $17,000 a month in rent so we could broadcast our signal from the top of four times square. So your contribution by becoming a BAI buddy and giving a contribution of even say just $20 a month on your credit card will help us reach that, be able to pay that bill of $17,000 a month. Now, last little note, I mentioned before the book that we have for you, if you only want to make a small contribution of about $50, you want to go online and look up, or when you call the number, which I'll give you in a moment, you want to look up Rikers and Oral History, just out from Random House by Graham Raymond and Ruvain Blau for $50. If you just want to make a one-time donation, you can get that book. Please help support independent media and get a spectacular new book about one of the most controversial jails in our country's history. Go to WBAI.org and lend your support to Free Speech Radio today. And look, maybe you're saying to yourself, why would I pay $50 for a book that I could get at a local bookstore? I could buy online. Now, this is really important. Please do not think of this as buying a book or buying anything. Your gift of $50 isn't about buying a book or any of the great premiums that you can get from WBAI. What your generous gift is really doing is supporting something much bigger than getting a single book or getting a t-shirt or getting a tote bag. All of those things are great. And those are our way of saying thank you for supporting free speech community alternative radio in a city that deserves independent media now there are lots of ways we can say thank you for keeping wbai on the air for another 60 years as jeff mentioned you can choose our women's history audio gift collection it has 79 hours of wonderful sound showcasing women's history this is a compilation of restored audio recordings dating back to the earliest days of community radio broadcasting in 1949 so you can bring all this rich women's history into your home listen anytime you want to learn something you need inspiration just go to wbai.org and make a recurring monthly donation of 15 dollars. and this amazing collection can be yours and remember, this is not commercial radio. This is not corporate radio. This is your radio station. But we can only keep WBAI going if you step in and you lend your support. Again, it's an astounding $17,000 a month to pay the rent on to- a top of four times square. 17000 a month just so we can stay on the air. Never mind the other bills we have to pay to stay on the air. 24 hours a day in one of the most expensive media cities in the world. We're not asking for a lot. If you can give $20 a month, remember, we want to try to get $200 this hour, but $20 a month sustains us. You're doing your part to preserve WBAI's unique programs on politics, culture, music, arts, women's issues, gender, health, education, and much more. And if you're already giving, please think about just giving just a little bit more. 
For example, if you're already a BAI buddy, why not contribute $50 more and then ask for that book we've been talking about. If you're not giving, now is the time to start. The situation is urgent. We need your help now. So please, 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 for Celeste, for me, for everyone at WBAI, please go to WBAI.org and join with us to keep independent media alive here in New York. We really do appreciate your support. New Yorkers have kept this station, WBAI, alive for more than 60 years. It is a very, very different kind of radio station. No offense to the other guys. They do what they do, and they're they're doing a fine job of it. But WBAI is a very, very different radio station. We have different programs. We have different voices. We have different perspectives. This is something that you cannot, cannot get anywhere else. And if WBAI goes away, you won't be able to get it anywhere. Please go to WBAI.org today. Join with us to keep independent free speech media alive in New York. We want to thank our guests today, Dr. Jonathan Whiteson of NYU Langone Health and Joelle Suttlemeyer from our special interview series, New York in Crisis, WBAI's Coronavirus Diary. Thanks to our engineer, Reggie Johnson. Thanks to you, our listeners and callers. And again, the biggest thanks of all to everybody who is taking a moment today to go to WBAI.org and become a BAI buddy in the name of this program, Driving Forces. Jeff, what do we have coming up on future programs? So I'll be back here this coming Sunday on City Watch at our new earlier time at 8 a.m. and with my spanking new co-host, Carlos Menchaca, former New York City Council member, 8 a.m. on Sunday. Our first guest that Carlos has lined up is a familiar voice and name here in the city. U.S. Congressman Richie Torres will be joining us that morning. What's he going to be talking about? An issue that I've talked about as well, because it's something I've been tracking, actually, for the last few months as this has escalated. He is uh, going to discuss the legislation he's introduced aimed at preventing fires sparked by lithium-ion batteries. And if you have seen that footage that just placed in the Bronx the other day, you know this is a serious issue. And then we'll be joined by Dr. Samar Ali, founder and artistic director of the Syrian Music Preservation Initiative. If you missed any part of today's program, you can hear it in full by subscribing to Driving Forces via Apple, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Again, thank you so much for supporting the station. Please go to WBAI.org today. Become a BAI buddy in the name of this program. Keep WBAI on the air for another 60 years. This has been Driving Forces with Celeste Katz-Marston and Jeff Simmons. Now stay tuned to WBAI for more great programming. See you on the radio. 